Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney E. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 15 Preview Edition. And, uh, well, got to say, as lovers not just of football but Australian sport, got a bit of a spring in our step this morning because we're recording this just hours after Australia has pulled off one of the great Ashes victories and a huge salute to Paddy Cummins, Nathan Lyon and all the boys at Edgbaston as, uh, I say, a, a somewhat bleary-eyed good morning to my footyology podcast co-host, Mr Rodney Eade, who himself is a lover of cricket. How good was that, Rocket? Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I watched till lunch. Um, I couldn't keep her. my eyes open, 580-odd. Um and I thought, oh, there's still a chance here because there wasn't a lot in the wicket. But uh, when I read this morning that they were eight down with about 50-odd to go, I thought, oh, gee, there. It's you now certainly a great effort to get that. And uh, uh, the Poms don't endear themselves too much uh, <laughs> when they thought they were on top. And uh, no, no, it's a great win. It's a great win. It shows the mental toughness of the group. Hasn't Ollie Robinson created an instant cartoon villain for us all to to weigh in. I, I've got to say though, Rocket, this is, I was, uh, I, I am a little bit younger than you. I'm not trying to rub it in, but I was 16 uh, when Botham did it to us at Headingley in 81 and I did cry. I cried over that. I was at the MCG for the border Tomo thing at the end of 82 and I nearly cried over that. We've got the Windies in Adelaide 93, South Africa and Sydney 94, Edgbaston 05, Headingley 2019, any single great moment involving Australian cricket and a thrilling, um, a thrilling uh, conclusion to a test has inevitably involved us being on the receiving end. So, oh, this has been a cathartic experience. I'm in such a great mood, Rocket. <laughs> yeah, well, up and about and bouncing. I can, I can feel it in your voice. But it was a now it's a great win, and um, obviously, uh, which is a shame in many ways for the for England that there'll be carp because of declaring. So they left another 40, 50 runs in the shed, didn't they? Uh, so um, uh, this uh, baseball, maybe they might be a bit more circumspect, but I don't think they will be. I think that, that'll that be our chance. The next wickets, I've got no doubt, will have a little bit in them, and I think that could suit Australia a little bit more, to be honest. Uh, look, it is shaping as a fantastic series. Now, uh, believe it or not, this is a football podcast, so... We have digressed there, but plenty of footy still to talk about. Uh, round 15, of course, the last of the buy round, so six games. Uh, plenty of news to talk about too, which uh, we're going to do right now. On Footyology, news feed. All right, well, let's kick off our news segment, uh, and this sounds a bit contradictory, but with uh, one of the biggest non-news stories of this season, Rocket, which touches on a few things close to my heart. One, the Essendon Football Club, but secondly, uh, media clickbait. And uh, I'm talking, of course, about Essendon's study about its branding and logo and where that's going in the future, which has been jumped on, seized upon, run with, and uh, beaten up to within an inch of its life by certain uh, media organisations, i.e. the Herald Sun. Um, and I'm going to tell you, well, I'll be interested in your take on this, but the obvious thing here was the Herald Sun 
which seems to spend half its life these days playing culture wars, spotted uh, an obvious thing here, which, of course, is the Bomber logo. Is that now too woke? Well, I have literally, and I'm an Essendon supporter, I've literally not once in my entire life come across a single person who believes that Essendon needs to change its logo from Bombers. I, I can also confirm that this whole study is talking about the logo and branding and isn't looking to change the bomber part of it at all because I was one of the people, they interviewed Rocket, so I talked to them about yeah. the branding and stuff. I'm telling you, this is just an excuse for a news organisation to trot some clickbait out there, play the culture wars, and of course, everyone falls into it, people angrily denying something that isn't going to happen. I've got to tell you, it's really tedious. How have you seen it? Yeah, well, I, didn't, I, I woke up yesterday and read a couple of uh, stories and read Alan Hurd. Uh, he's oh, why are they interviewing Alan Hurd about oh, about nothing? And you know, he, he spoke about the drug saga, and then I realised it was about the branding. I didn't even think it was an issue. And uh, but watching some news reports and then some TV shows, it is a been a beat up um, that uh, seems to be more about S and seeing where they're at and their branding, as in. What they are as a club and how they're perceived in the in the in the public arena, especially their supporters. So, I didn't think it was a change of bombers or a change of colours or a change of name. And then they're trying to join the dots. I think about it, it might be like the Western Bulldogs change of Woodstray that we're going to change the name and change everything. And uh, it's uh, I don't think it's going that way. So yeah, I think it's a big story about nothing. Well, changing the name would be a big deal. I think getting rid of bombers or another name would be yeah. a big deal. But it's not happening. No one ever said it was happening. No one ever said it was on the cards. And even Dave Barham having to come out and address members and put out a statement about it doesn't stop it because uh, one, uh, well, let's say popular tabloid media troll uh, who spends a, an entire career writing these sort of things has created a straw man and just refused to believe otherwise. So there's actually a piece on the Herald Sun at the moment saying, well, this isn't going to happen. But but it's a short, slippery slope to if it did. I mean, it's it, it really is cretinous stuff, I'm telling you, and uh, it's, it's a bit sad to see the media descend to these sort of depths. But, you know, if you do need any more convincing, let me tell you, as I live and breathe, Essendon Football Club will remain the Bombers. They're talking about potentially using a different logo other than the plane, which has been the logo since 1997. And uh, they actually did this last year during the 150th birthday celebration. So much ado about nothing, but don't worry, they'll find another object to, to, to fight. Or sucker to chat about. It is pathetic. Uh, incidentally, uh, some of the people indulging in that are the same people that were ripping into Pat Crummings for calling him woke, etc. a few months ago. So I'd be interested to see their reaction to our great test win. All right, Rocket, I'm fired up. Let's move on. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the, uh, we are in the last of the buy rounds. Uh, and I think it's proving pretty problematic. Now, uh, clubs like to see their players have a break during a taxing season. Um, so the buy is certainly something they want. The problem seems to be how teams come off it. Now, we've had six teams so far come um, off the week's break, five of them have lost, and the only one that didn't lose 
uh, which was St Kilda, was playing another team that had come off a bye, which was Sydney. So it, it's a problem. And, and you look at the nature of some of those defeats too, e.g. Gold Coast, insipid performance against Carlton last week after what had been two great wins against Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs in Darwin. So they really let themselves down. Geelong overrun against Port Adelaide. They looked really slow out of the block. Um, who was the other one? Who was the other one? Fremantle. Fremantle, of course, against Richmond uh, after four wins in a row. They were sluggish. So, um, I, I and look at it historically. It's been a big issue for Geelong. They've actually won their last few, but I think they lost about eight post buy games in a row. Gold Coast, I think, has the worst record of anyone. They're about 2-8 over the last 10 years. But, uh, look, you've coached sides that have been coming off that mid-season bye. What what are your memories of this? Was it always something you got nervous about? Yeah, for sure. There's no doubt. No doubt. And as time's gone on with the with the collective bargaining agreement, they get five days. So that's part of the agreement. So mastery sort of was selective. You give them three or four days. Five days is a long period of time. Especially, uh, and it's to get a break, I understand that, and eventually get away from it. But I would think most players would get a program, but whether they follow it, so they come back very sluggish. I, and I think I mentioned last week, every time, every time in my 17 years of coaching, the first training session after the bye was probably the worst training session for the season. They were sluggish, they tried to get going, not all the time, but a lot of times you'd have a bloke with a hamstring injury out of that because they obviously hadn't done the work and it took me a while to actually join the dots and say okay let's accept that the first sessions is just a sluggish get get the dirty water out of the pipes don't go too hard um and then you can build up from there so uh, it, it'd be interesting to know and you're never going to find out when the five-day break did it start straight away some clubs bring them back into recovery have a review then after the five days well that gives you less time at the other end to prepare for the next game. So I think it's a bit of physical. I've got no doubt it's it's mental as well. That completely shut off, um, especially if you have reasonable form going into the bye, um, e.g. Fremantle, and you come out like you did against GWS. Um, that's, it, it just, it's just abhorrent. It's just like, oh, we're going okay, even though it was a bit of a down against Richmond. We had four wins of that. And it just seems this mental edge is lost completely. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I think we need a bigger sample, but it'll be interesting to see the six teams this week who played last year. I know two of them are playing each other, but about four would be interesting. Well, well to that end, um, or not only that, well, Essendon going to Perth, that's a challenge in itself. Melbourne and playing down to Long, that's a big enough challenge anyway. As you say, Collingwood and Adelaide playing each other. Even the other two, they coming off the break. West Coast uh, has got to go to Sydney, and Hawthorne have got to go up to the Gold Coast. So uh, they they've all got what could be considered decent sized challenges anyway. This just adds another degree of difficulty. I'd personally be fascinated to know what Michael Voss's reaction would have been after Carlton's turn it around against Gold Coast last week, because I know he came out and he said, "Oh, look, they." It's a long season. We're looking forward to the break. No, you're not, mate. You would be absolutely spewing, I reckon. They surely want to build on that momentum they created last week against the Suns. Yeah, yeah. there's no doubt about it. I mean, you even go into finals where teams win the first week and the next week they're worried about 
They won't know it's good to, if you've got injuries because it gives them a break. But you like that consistency. You like that uh, you know, consistency of body contact and, and being in the moment of playing a game. Having you know, two and sometimes three weeks off can be a bit of a bit of an issue for them because the players do tend to drop their level in intensity down. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting one to see how these teams come up this week. I'm going to say something really old manish here, Rocket, but you just made me think of it. You know, back in the old days, when players had jobs, but they had compelling interests beyond the football field, i.e. getting on the Terps or something, at least there was a life they went back to. I have this vision of of young players today getting a break and just sitting around playing on their PS5 or whatever. Do they have enough going on in their lives beyond a professional football career to have other stuff to do when they go on a break? Or is it more like they end up sitting around doing nothing, waiting for the all of work to kick in again. Yeah, I think that's a, that's an issue. I think the money they've got too, they you find they they have a quick trip overseas or go to Queensland and uh, uh, soak up the sun, and then uh, by extension, sitting around the pool doing nothing. So, um, uh, I'd imagine every club would have their uh, heart, in their mouth a bit about. I hope we don't get a phone call that someone's got into a little bit of trouble, which is always without to be good so far, but. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a point. I don't. I, I I tend to agree. I don't know if there's enough, and I think that clubs have always tried to get players into courses or doing something other than football. Because just to, by extension, I, I quite a few players who are drafted coming to the AFL system who who accepted university quite smart. I'm not going to have a gap here because I need to concentrate on footy. So no, you're not, Jen. No, I no. A, you're probably not going to be playing senior football enough. You'll be sitting on the couch playing your PS5 as you say, no, you're not. You've got to do, got to do something as well to keep you occupied. I don't know why, but I just had a flash in my mind of uh, Will Minson, the uh, dumbest smart guy in footy. Yeah, move on. <laughs> I like Will. I like Will. He's, like a, Will. he's a very, uh, a very well, well, knowing Will, he probably had three or four courses going at the same time. He'd be doing... He'd he, he certainly keep himself busy, no doubt. Oh, I know he's a dedicated listener of this podcast too, so a big hello to Will. Uh, last one I wanted to touch on before we actually preview the games, and we touched on Gold Coast before, but you've got to feel a fair bit of sympathy, well, I do anyway, a fair bit of sympathy for Stewie Do He's in his sixth season as Gold Coast Coast. Gold Coast Coach. Gold Coast Coach. He got extended a year ago for another two years on the back of some really good form. I think, by and large, they've been pretty solid this year. Two back-to-back wins in Darwin over decent opponents in the Bulldogs and Adelaide. They cut, they have the badly timed buy for them. They come out and have that stinker against Carlton, and straight away, the pressure is on again. And because now you've got an accomplished senior coach in Damien Hardwick sitting in the wings. Um, look, Jews. Coaching uh, win-loss percentage is only 30. It's pretty low. But I would have thought, I don't know, look, we, we debated this on ESPN during the week. I took the view that I reckon if they make finals, surely he has to remain coach regardless of who's available. Whereas I know other people sort of have this view that if Damien Hardwick is available, um, they should go and get him at due's expense. How, how do you feel about this one? Oh, uh, Actually, sitting on the fence at the moment, no. I think he he deserves to keep going. But if it ends up like they have the previous four or five seasons, where the last half of the season 
just floats away. Well, they, I think they, I think they'd have to look at it. There's no doubt they'd have to look at Damien Harvick or Ken Hinckley or whoever is maybe around. Um, so I, I think it's too early to call. And I think we're in the results business. Um, it's five years. If they can get, they don't have to make the eight. If they, what have they? How many we got left now? Uh, Ten games left. They can be five and five, probably four or six, maybe. Um, I think it'd be. I think each stays. Uh, uh, but if anything less than that, I think I think they'd have to, um, especially with Harvick around. As you'd know better than most, coaching Gold Coast comes with all its own associated issues, doesn't it? None the least, which is being in not hostile territory, but foreign football territory. And look, I mean, just this is something we might talk about at length another time, but in a nutshell, it does make it harder for whoever coaches Gold Coast, doesn't it? Yeah, it, 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 yeah I suppose it does, but it's the same as GWS. They're, they're in non-football territory as well. Um, uh, so, yeah, you know, now it's the same as Brisbane. Brisbane, just up the road, only an hour. So, yeah, I... I yeah, I, I certainly don't probably buy into that theory. It's probably the people you recruit and the way you go about it. So I, I probably it's another layer, but I don't think it's a major layer. I think it's now yeah, they've got themselves. I think your point, they had two great wins against two teams that are in the eight. That A gives them confidence, B gives them that edge to then playing a team that lost eight of the last nine and then and then turn up like they did at the weekend is really... 180 degree across of where they should be. So, and then questions are going to be asked because it's happened before. So, I think, as I said, I think, I think there'll be media pressure on Stuart, but I think we've just got to wait to the end of the how it all pans out. I think it's too early to go on in, to be honest. All right. Well, uh, obviously, another big game for them this week. And uh, that is one of the six games we're going to preview in detail right now on Footyology Previews. With punch. Round 15 kicks off with a cracker of a game. Thursday night footy on again, of course. We are at GMHBA Stadium down at Geelong, a.k.a. the Cattery, a.k.a. Shell Stadium, Simmons Stadium, Skilled Stadium. I reckon they could have more names that stadium than uh, most in the country. Uh, 7.20 p.m. kickoff. Geelong are 10th on the ladder with a 6-7 record. Uh, and they've lost four of their last five games now, and a 38-point defeat against Port Adelaide last week. Melbourne are third on the ladder with a 9-4 record. Coming off the bye, of course, their last outing was uh, a big, uh, if narrow, uh, King's birthday win over Collingwood. Uh, how the Cats and Dees shape up against each other. Well, last meeting, Geelong beat Melbourne at this same venue, round 17 last year. Melbourne, though, had won the previous three clashes against the Cats, including that famous last round game down at the Cattery in 2021, where Max Gore kicked the goal after the siren. Melbourne finished on top and went on to win the flag. Cats have still got a very imposing record at this ground. 26 wins from their last 31 games there. Melbourne, uh, two wins and 10 losses there since 2008. Of course, one of those two wins, that game I just described. Massive clash, uh, Rocket. Probably fair to say more stakes for the Cats than the Demons, given how precarious their ladder position is. 
Uh, I'll talk about injuries, etc., in a moment, and a couple of big names to be considered there. Uh, but how are you seeing this one initially? Initially, just on form, you have to pick Melbourne. Um, they they were very impressive against Collingwood and probably should have won by six goals. Uh, unusual for them, they kicked very inaccurately, and that was without Clayton Oliver. But I thought uh, Viney's form was terrific. Obviously, Tracker was was good. They looked capable of kicking goals, which has been their big issue. Um, Geelong started extremely well against Port, but then just fell in a hole. Once Dangerfield got injured, and it looks like he'll probably be out if it's a rib, I, uh, he's really... I know Cameron's startable season exceptionally well, but it's dropped off a bit. But Dangerfield's there. Is their barometer. He really can lift, uh, can lift them. I think with him out, I, I just can't see them winning down there. I know they'll be prepared. They'll have some tactics and strategies, but I think the Demons will win this one. Well, let's talk about personnel because there's one huge name for either side uh, which does make a big difference. Now, for the home side, you mentioned Paddy Dangerfield has been ruled out of this game already and might miss a couple more with uh, fairly nasty rib slash lung damage out of that Port Adelaide game. Uh, who else is on the injury list? Well, they've got quite a few still. Cam Guthrie, they've really missed him and he's still a few weeks away with that toe injury. Uh, Asaba Radagalia, hamstring injury, and they've missed him from defence. He's still a week away at least. Uh, Reece Stanley's had that eye socket injury for quite some time now, and he has a test, but is a chance to return. That would be his first game since the gather round. Uh, Tanner Bruin should be available for selection, but uh, some pretty decent names on that Geelong injury list. Now, Melbourne. Uh, the biggest name without question, and uh, it's a big one. Clayton Oliver had that hamstring injury, which uh, became another game missed last week with an infection, a toe infection, and still um, being considered doubtful for this week. So Oliver not being there, I reckon, potentially even more than cancels out Dangerfield not being there. The other... Uh, absentees, uh, the Demons at the moment. Uh, Harrison Petty, he's been sidelined since round nine, um, has a test on a foot injury, but maybe some sort of chance. Uh, Jake Bowie has recovered from concussion, so he's right to come back. And Tom McDonald, of course, ankle injury, still at least five weeks away, and uh, you think the odds are against him getting back now to play a meaningful part in this season. But... Uh, Gee, they're two big absentees, Rocket. Does uh, Oliver equal Dangerfield? The only thing I can say is they, they beat Collingwood without him last week. Um, so so I, I think they've, they've they've shown they can cope with, you know, without Oliver. It's a it's a fairly big, nasty uh, toe infection if he's going to miss another week. Um, the fact that you saw him on telly training this week, it's a, it's a bit of an odd one. So, but... Uh, no, I think I think the Demons can win this. I think Dangerfield's uh, showed early last week that you know he got the cats going, then got that injury, and they they fell away. I know that it's as simplistic as that, but I think the Demons were up and about last game. I think uh, the buy is an issue for them. Uh, heard that heard that they're going to bust down there like the old days. It took them to go back uh, in retro and uh, stay at a hotel together rather than drive down. So. Um, probably do what the Giants did, so probably taking that thing. So they're taking it seriously um, as they should, but I think the Demons will win this game. All right, give us a margin while you're on them. Uh, Demons by 17 points. 17 points, so reasonably confident you are. Well, 
I haven't even looked at the odds, to be honest, but I am going for the Cats for a number of reasons. One, it's at Geelong, and uh, as we said, 26 out of 31, their record there. Two, Melbourne is coming off the bye. We're seeing that is being a bit of an issue. Three, I don't think Oliver is going to play, and uh, I think that makes a uh, a game-turning difference for me. And four, uh, a victory is more important for the Cats and the Demons at this stage. So I'm going forward to long uh, by the, well, it's not the narrowest of margins. That'd be one point. But as we know, I'm not allowed to tip in odd numbers. So I'm going for Geelong to win this rocket by two points as we differ already on the first game of the round. Good to see. Good to see some range of opinions being canvassed on these games. Well, this is an intriguing clash as well. Friday evening, Marvel Stadium, 7.50, sees St Kilda taking on Brisbane. The Saints are fifth on the ladder. They are 8-5. And, uh, well, to say they've been up and down is a bit of an understatement because they have now gone loss-win for the last nine games. Uh, last weekend, of course, a 20-point defeat at the hands of Richmond on a sodden MCG. Brisbane are fourth on the ladder with a 9-4 record and they had a good win over Sydney at home by 16 points. How do they fare against each other, these two teams? Well, Brisbane have won four of their last five clashes against the Saints. What about the venue? The Saints have won five out of seven games at Marvel Stadium this year. Now, we talk about Brisbane on the road, particularly the MCG, where it's a horror story, but cop this. They travel two kilometres down the road to the other end of a CBD rocket, and they've got a really good record because they are six wins from their last seven games at Marvel Stadium since 2019, and one and one this year did defeat Carlton there, I think, and a loss to the Western Bulldogs. Uh, big game this one. Your initial thoughts on this? Yeah, the fact that the Lions are playing away sort of uh, brings them back to the field a bit. But I, I think they'll get the, I think they'll get the win. I think the Saints, even though they're loss, win, loss, win, I think they may have two losses in a row. I think they're just starting to make mistakes, but they weren't making early there. Wilkie a couple of times last week. Dougal Howard struggles a bit. So I know they defend really well as a team, and they make it hard for the opposition. They get it on counter attack, but I think. I think the Lions, yeah, even though they probably weren't super impressive last week, um, missed a lot of shots at goal. I, I think on a dry deck there, I think they're going to have too much uh, firepower for the Saints. Well, let's talk about personnel. St Kilda, uh, well, they started a season with plenty of injury worries and the injury list has always been fairly comprehensive. Uh, Billings, Jones and McKenzie all set to resume in the VFL this weekend. So good to see them sort of start to come back into the fray. Uh, Tim Membry still dealing with knee soreness and is expected to miss a second game. Uh, who else? Well, some of the names that have been on this list all year, really. Nick Caulfield, uh, calf injury, still four weeks away. Jack Hayes has a hamstring injury, still three weeks away. Uh, Zach Jones, Achilles will be tested. Dan McKenzie, oh, I said he is expected to resume in the VFL. Uh, Brisbane, fewer injury concerns, no doubt about that. Still a couple of decent names there, though. Dane Zorko, uh, calf injuries, pushing his case. Uh, but Brisbane have said they're not going to take any risks, so probably more likely to miss another one. 
Uh, Darcy Gardner, quad injury. That one's still a while away. Reese, the barometer, Matheson. Uh, his hamstring is about three weeks. Uh, Hugh McLuggage is probably the most interesting one there. He was concussed, of course, in that controversial tackle uh, that James Sicily did. I shouldn't laugh because uh, it got Sicily three weeks and McLuggage concussion, but um, should probably be right to play in this game and would be an important inclusion. Um, Internationally, what are they saying about Richard Gunston? Uh, who were self-imposed being dropped last week? Well, I guess they're well. They're not on the injury list because they've they've dropped themselves. Are you a bit dubious about them dropping themselves? Uh, no, I'm not. But it's it's strange that the club would actually volunteer that information. Uh, to be honest, um, that's not about. They're both struggling. They're both struggling, and yeah. but. I find it interesting that they didn't play at all. Like, you'd think they are struggling for form. The best way to actually recoup that is to go and play. Go and play in the in the seconds and uh, get some form and get some confidence. So, be interested to see where they play this week. Not a great vote of confidence in the uh, recuperative powers of the VFL, is it? No, it's an odd one. But if, uh, yeah, so uh, if they play the VFL this week, well, it puts them an extra week back, doesn't it? All right. Uh, yeah, not too sure. So see how it goes. I, I think Rich is just about gone, to be honest. I think his his lack of run and his lack of speed is starting to catch up with him at his age. He's been a terrific player, but he's getting exposed. And Gunson really just hasn't hasn't come back from his back uh, back surgery at all. Did you and a lot of other former coaches see them dropping themselves and think, "Gee, I wish more players had done that when I was coaching." Would have saved. Oh yes, yeah. Heart. And normally most players are the other way. They're delusional that their form's going going okay. <laughs> or they've got a reason or can blame something or someone else. Well, only like a few coaches get delusional about how well they're coaching, Rocket. Is that right? I haven't met anyone of that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we better do some tips here. What do you reckon? Uh, I think the Lions, the Cluggy's back, you know, just gives them a bit of run and a bit of class. So... Uh, but apart from that, I think, you know, obviously Duncan, Duncan's been a sensational player. Neil was back to his best last week. They've got the flaky forward line that can fire or maybe not fire, but uh, I um, no, I think they'll win, and I think they'll win reasonably well, 21 points. 21 points? I'll go after Brisbane by eight points because I think the uh, the Saints can restrict them scoring at least. Uh, it's at Marvel. Um, but... The, uh, the breaking of that loss-win sequence uh, is imminent, I think, and not in a way that St Kilda would like to have to broken the sequence. Brisbane by eight points for me. All right, that is Thursday and Friday evening. We've got two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. Let's talk about Saturday. Saturday afternoon at the SCG, 4.35 sees a uh, a rematch rocket of two of the great grand finals of the modern era. I speak, of course, of 2005-2006, when Sydney and West Coast ruled the roost. They don't do that now, although the Swans, of course, were in a grand final last year, coming to grief against the Cats. Uh, the Swans are 15th on the ladder currently, 5-8 and eight their record, having a pretty miserable season they have lost six of their last eight now and uh the most recent of theirs uh those was a 16 point loss at the hands of brisbane however 
However badly their season's going, couldn't be as bad as West Coast. They are 18th on the ladder, Stone Marvelous last, 1-12. and 12. And the Eagles had a bye last week, which, uh, well, I could be cruel rocking, so at least it meant they didn't lose. Uh, Sydney up against West Coast, the Swans have won 14 of the last 17 meetings since 2008. So a long time now since that incredible rivalry when they just uh, they could never be separated by more than a kick. And the last two of those um, wins by the Swans have been emphatic to say the least, 63 points and 92 points. At the SCG, the Swans not going well there this year, two wins and four losses. And West Coast at the SCG, overall, four wins and 16 defeats. Haven't played there for over two years now. Their last appearance on the SCG was in round 12 of 2021 when they beat Carlton. Of course, that was when we were seeing games all over the shop uh, because of COVID. Um, I'll talk about injuries in a sec, but uh, what do you reckon with this one? Um, Well, I think it's how far the Swans, to be honest. I think the Eagles are absolutely abhorrent, to be honest, the way they're playing. They're just terrible. So, um, so yeah, they, they had a close, close enough game there in the... Uh, in Perth a while ago, they got to 60 points, even though they, they, they pushed uh, pushed the team, but they've just been smashed lately, went by 100 points, unless they get players back. But even if they get players back, they're, they're going to take a while to get used to the pace of the game. The Swans haven't been too too bad. I mean, they've been poor, if you're saying, for a grand final site, but they've, they've been pushing teams, but just haven't been able to get over the line and actually fall away at the end. They only lost by 16 points last week. I think the I think the Swans will win this game extremely easy. Well, I guess to the Swans, it's been not just the volume of injuries. It's been uh, the, uh, the what's the word, the logistics of the injuries, what positions they've been to. They've lost all their height, haven't they, at the moment? Yeah. Uh, well, Buddy Franklin, um, he has a test, could come back in after managing a knee issue last week. Uh, their hopeful Isaac Kearney will return this week after miss- missing the game against Brisbane. Um, we, Tom McCartan, we talk about his concussion is- issues every week virtually, back in full training now and could come back to play. So that's uh, really good news. I think for everyone to be pretty pleased to hear that. Uh, Callum Mills trained last Friday and he he could come back in pretty quickly. But you've still got Peter Adams a couple of weeks away with an ankle injury. Paddy McCartan, of course, been ruled out for the whole season with concussion uh, issues. Logan McDonald, ankle injury, another two weeks. Uh, Marcus Sheeva, a foot injury. He's out for the season. And, of course, Sam Wicks, pretty untimely suspension on his part. And he's out until round 17. Even those injury issues, though, are dwarfed by those of West Coast, which this week has 17 names on it. Actually, that's quite low for them. I think last week it was about 21 or 22. In fact, they are almost the entirety of the Orazio Fantasia Memorial injury list this week. Uh, oh, let's run through the names again. Baker, Barras, Burgill, Cole, Cripps, Cully, Edwards, Foley, Hearn, Jamison, Jones, McGovern, Nat Nui, Ryan Waterman, West and Winder. Waterman was discharged from hospital this week after falling ill prior to the round 13 game against Adelaide and developing an infection. 
A lot of players getting infections, Rocket. In fact, I was reading a story <laughs> quoting uh, Dr. Peter Larkins about this, and, and these guys not even keep a wound clean these days. What's going on there? No, no, no. It's a, it's a strange one. But on that list that you didn't have Shuey on, does that mean he's playing this week? Uh, that's a very good point. In fact, he's not even mentioned in the dispatches here. Yeah, so it's either one or two things he's back or he's been there that long, they're just taking him off so no one will notice. They won't, <laughs> they won't talk about him anymore. That's the Orazio Fantasia theory. works every time. Uh, well, Barras, Hearn, McGovern and Duggan all aiming to play against Sydney at the SCG. Uh, Hewitt is out of concussion protocols. Uh, Ryan's recovery from hamstring surgery is proving a long process and not even certain to come back this year at all. There, I mean, there, there's probably there's two or three guys on that injury list we won't see play league footy again, Rocket. Don't you reckon? Oh, oh there's no doubt about that. I think Nat Nui's he's, he's been really going to struggle. No, that, uh, yeah, it's going to be a shame. They've, um, They've certainly uh, they've got their issues. I've heard that maybe their pre-season wasn't the most solid pre-season of all time. And uh, and you've really got to put the work in. So uh, now, that, now that may be one answer about why they've had so many injuries. But uh, as I said, even with players coming back and have been out for a while, they're just going to take, take some time to, to adjust to the pace. Um, so especially with Hooney coming back, it'd be a great game for Franklin to play. He's probably a chance to kick some goals if he can get his confidence up. So I think the Swans will win this by 59 points. Wow. Big margin there. I'm going for not quite that much, but I'm going for a reasonably comfortable 32 points for Sydney. 7.25 Eastern Standard Time is the time. Uh, Optus Stadium, Perth, is the venue. The teams, Fremantle taking on Essendon. And the Dockers, well, they have stunk it up for a couple of weeks now. Shocking loss to GWS last week by 70 points, and that was after a home defeat to Richmond. They are 13th on the ladder with a 6-7 record. Essendon, well, they're coming off the bye, so danger, danger. But uh, having a pretty decent season, the Bombers, 8-5 and five in 6th spot on the ladder and have won four games in a row. Been a fair while since you could say that about the Bombers. Uh, what, are the hist- what is the history of these two sides against each other? Well, Essendon have won five of their last six against Fremantle. Did lose to the Dockers last time out, however, and that was in round five last year at Marble Stadium. Fremantle, on their home deck, are 12 wins and seven losses since the start of last year. How does Essendon go up the stadium? Well, they've won four and they've lost five. Uh, have a win already there this season, though. That was against West Coast about a month ago, back in round 11. I'll talk about injuries shortly. Um, but what are you thinking here? Jeff Free- Fremantle have got to find something this week, don't they? You would think there'd be the bounce back factor. You'd think there's, because they were lamentable last week. I mean, they were absolutely disgraceful. And um, the way they showed up, because they're fighting for a final, or they were, there's no chance now of making finals with uh, forwards like that. But they, they only kicked five goals. I mean, um, and they allowed uh, the GWS to kick 16. Like, it was just the, their defence, which have been generally a very good defensive side, but their defensive actions were, were woeful. I um, And you couldn't pick them with bad money, but you'd think it, at home and the bounce-back factor, it's going to be a tight game. Um, 
But on form, you have to pick the Bombers. And the Bombers have showed, now there's still some question marks on them, but they've showed quite good professionalism along the way. Be able to stay in games against better sides, be able to bounce back uh, if, if they get smashed early um, and, the, and get the job done when they need to. So they had a lot of midfielders out last week and I, th- I thought they did a really good job. So I think it's going to be difficult to pick against the Bombers. I just want to ask you about Freeman. Uh, we, we were saying even when Freo was struggling that at least their defence uh, under Justin Longmuir was pretty reasonable. And then they've, they've won, what, uh, what four on the trot, was it? They were looking pretty good. And then the defence just absolutely loses the plot. So what's happened there? Have they got ahead of, ahead of themselves offensively and forgotten the one would in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's it is shrunk because the actions I saw last week were more forward half the ground and the midfield, just allowing GWS come from the back half of the ground just slicing through like hot, like a hot knife through butter. Like that's where the defence is. It's not your back six. It's allowing the ball inside your in the in, into the opposition's forward fifty, and they came in so easily. Like it was just a training run, and they generally with the pace they've got in the forward line, have generally been pretty good with their with their pressure. Uh, but it was absolutely 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 disgraceful, and it's been poor even against Richmond. I thought the week before. So there's that. There's some bad signs there for them, um, and the Bombers have to be favourites for this game. Uh, just talk about injuries. Frio, uh, James Aish, uh had concussion, of course. Uh, Ryan Mansell, the Richmond player, suspended as a result of that incident. Um, he's progressing well. Uh, there were early concerns he might miss a few, but he might be a chance. Uh, big one for the Dockers, I guess, Sean Darcy. He's had a hamstring injury. He needs to get through training this week, but he's a chance to come back. Matthew Johnson uh, had a hip injury against GWS, but given the all clear. And Michael Frederick, he's got an ankle injury. That will be monitored, and they'll see how he pulls up out of their main training session, which will be, uh, well, later today. We are recording this on Wednesday morning. For the Bombers, it could be a big in for them in the shape of Darcy Parrish who's missed uh, quite a bit of footy now with a calf injury, so a test for him. Uh, that could be very useful, particularly seeing Dylan Shield is struggling with a foot injury and pretty unlikely to come back this week. A uh, couple of the longer-term ones for them. Uh, Zach Reed, he's, perpet- he's certainly on the Orazio Fantasia Memorial injury list. Um, he's got a test with uh, a hamstring injury. Will Satterfield. Been out for a few weeks now. He's still another couple of weeks away. Harrison Jones, um, he is out for the rest of the season with an ankle injury. So Parrish coming back would really help given the continued absence of Satterfield and Shield potentially being out as well. Look, form certainly suggests the Bombers, doesn't it, Rocket? I've just got a thing about Fremantle. It's not even. It's probably more a criticism than anything, but they do tend to do this. They'll have a couple of stinkers, and then they get back on their home deck. They've got the home crowd roaring for them. You know, things going their way a bit, and yeah. they might turn it on. It's just, I just think this game's got that Fremantle bounce back, and also Essendon coming out of the buy factor on it. Um, I'm going to have to go for the Dockers here, as much as I'd rather not like to see that happen. I'm going for the Dockers to win this one by six points. I think the other thing too, if Darcy gets back, it's going to be a big lift for them because he gives them some real presence around the 
around the contest, uh, which they were poor at last week. So, uh, no, I still have to oh, I have to pick the Bombers. But like like you said, the bounce back factor playing home, the Dockers can surprise you. Um, I've got the Bombers by 11 points. All right. Uh, well, we've both got a narrow margin, albeit different selections. One ten Sunday afternoon at the MCG, we have Collingwood taking on Adelaide. And, uh, well, will there be a buy hangover? Well, it doesn't matter in this case because they'll both have it. That could be a terrible standard, but at least they'll, they'll be equal. Uh, we shouldn't presume they're going to be awful coming off the bye. Uh, Magpies are second on the ladder with an 11-2 record. Of course, last start they lost, but only just to Melbourne. Uh, Adelaide are eighth on the ladder with a 7-6 record after their week off. Um, how do these two go against each other generally? Collingwood has won the last seven meetings against the Crows. In fact, the last time Adelaide beat them was back in 2016. They had a draw on the MCG in 2017, but it's been seven years since Adelaide last beat Collingwood. Uh, the venue's a big factor here too because Collingwood love the MCG. They've won 20 of their last 24 games uh, since the start of last season. And I'm pretty sure all four of those defeats are very narrow margins. Adelaide, in contrast at the MCG, has lost their last six games and their last win at the MCG was all the way back in 2017 believe it or not, which, of course, was the year they played in their grand final. Uh, I'll talk about injuries in a moment, but, uh, yeah, Rocket, you'd, uh, the both teams coming off the bye, you'd reckon that probably cancels each other out, doesn't it? Yeah, it does a bit. Um, having the other way is that uh, psychologically that um, Adelaide had a massive big win. Do they get comfortable and enjoy themselves over the bye, what we're talking about? In the new section, does it uh, take them a bit longer to wind up where Collingwood had a loss? Um, Actually, it's so so long ago, I can't even remember who Adelaide beat. Who they beat? Uh, the Eagles. Tech's kicked 10. Oh, yeah, that's right. 100 and something points. So, um, that uh, yeah, I, I think it would depend on personnel, but you'd have to pick with that record at the MCG and, and what Adelaide uh, have done over that period. I'm, having said that, they've got some talent, so it'll depend on uh, on their personal as well. But I think Collingwood's game, uh, they're, they're probably lucky to win the last game in, in Adelaide. Uh, but the home ground advantage, I think, will just sway Collingwood's way. Let's just talk about personnel. So uh, for the Pies, the news uh, on a couple of injuries they've had this week uh, were not good in one case. And we were just we were talking before about infection. Dan McStay um, has had this finger surgery and suffered an infection in the finger after surgery back in April. So what is it with those guys? Okay, I don't know. We've got that. Remember Solvol soap? I've got that egg <laughs> after a man. Wash your hands, Jeffrey, with the Solvol. Jeffrey, it's not hard. Come on, guys. Basic hygiene. Uh, Jamie Elliott, he's missed the past two games due to a, sh- a shoulder injury, and uh, he'll be tested, but a chance to come back. Um, Steel Sidebottom, of course, had that knee injury in his 300th game. Still couple of weeks away, I think. And Jeremy Howe, of course, uh, badly injured in that first game of the season. He's getting closer to making his return after that uh, badly broken forearm. And the Crows, well, at the moment, they've got the shortest injury list in the competition. Uh, Tom Duday, unfortunately, uh, out 
for the season after a knee reconstruction. That's a shame. Uh, very good player, Tom, and uh, lovely guy too, incidentally. And Andrew McPherson, a quad injury, six weeks away, and Zach Taylor, a foot injury, six weeks away. But aside from that, clean bill of health for the Crows. So that's one thing in their favour. Look, they've been pretty good, Adelaide, I reckon. A lot to, uh, going their way. They're good to watch, dynamic forward set up. Lots of good young players, definitely headed somewhere under Matthew Nix, but you would think at this stage this one's a bit beyond it, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. I'll, I'll certainly give them a, a bit of a chance, uh, but I think Collingwood will be just a bit more, uh, even with even without Dugowie, I just think to have it just a bit too much talent around the ball and Darcy Moore down back will be able to, uh, especially Tex, will be able to cut him out. So I think the Pies will win. It might should be a reasonably close game for 15 points. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm up around the same margin. I'm going for the Pies by 20 points in that one. Uh, let's go to the last game of round 15. And round 15 wraps up with a game up on the Gold Coast at uh, Heritage Bank Stadium, it's called these days. Uh, Rocket, keep wanting to call it Metricon. Everyone to call it Carrara. Uh, Gold Coast taking on Hawthorne, 4.40 p.m. kickoff up there. Gold Coast are 12th on the ladder with a 6-7 record after that insipid showing against Carlton. Again, they lost by 59 points. Hawthorne are 16th on the ladder, only won four and lost nine. But uh, we seem to all agree the trajectory is up for the Hawks. They've won three of their last four games now, of course, coming off. The dreaded buy, though, in round 14. Will that be a factor here? Head-to-head, uh, -head, these two, the recent record is interesting. Hawthorne, 12-4 and four overall. And the most interesting thing about the history of these two is where they've played each other, their last four clashes have been in Launceston, Darwin, Sydney, and Adelaide. So they've got one side based on the Gold Coast and one side based in Melbourne, and their last four games have been... Anywhere but those two cities. Interesting. Gold Coast at Carrara are 7-6 since the start of last year. Hawthorne at the Gold Coast venue are 6-4 overall, but their last win was back in 2014. Uh, well, one name and one absentee sort of looms large over this game. Rocket, tell us about it. Yeah, I um, if Joe Sicily was playing, I think you could... Uh... Some people could back uh, Hawthorne to win, but not that he's a one-man team, but he's as important to a side, probably the most important uh, of any team in the competition. His ability to not only thwart attacks, and he's probably the best one-on-one -on -one mark in the competition, uh, but he does he does rebound. He does set the team up, and he gives them stability. And I think he showed last time he was out for that week's suspension that they got smashed. So I think the Suns will bounce back. They've copped a bit of heat. He'll bounce back from that. Playing at home, um, Hawthorne without uh, Sicily, uh, I think the Suns will win this easy, to be honest. I know uh, we, we did start this podcast talking about the cricket, but you say James Sicily, you know, I, I can't help but think of Ben Stokes. He's just like, he's like Hawthorne's version of Ben Stokes, not only the leader, but he's like their spiritual barometer too, isn't he? He's so important to them. Oh, he's a fantastic player. His ability to win the ball one-on-one, -on -one, pick the right option, and does it so casually as well, like he's never flustered. Um, yeah, I, I think I think 
know, they're just going to miss him enormously. He's worth a couple of players, and I just don't think they'll be able to cover him. I think their youth will be exposed. Um, they're not going to be able to stop King. Uh, Lacocious, I, I just can't see them being able to do that. So I think the Suns, uh, the Suns will win this, as I said, reasonably easily. Well, in light of Sicily's absence, a couple of names that might alleviate that at least a little. One of them is Sam Frost. Um, he has a foot injury and will be tested, uh, but probably likely to come back. The other one is uh, Chankov Jack. Um, he's missed the last four games now with a calf strain, but there's uh, uh, some chance of coming back. Uh, would he come straight back into the seniors? I reckon he'd have to with Sicily out, so... Uh, that might help at least a little bit. Luke Bruce, uh, he's good to go after being subbed out of the win over Brisbane. So, uh, yeah, two important defensive tools could come back, but, of course, they've lost the most important one in James Sicily. As far as the Gold Coast goes, uh, bad news for them. Joel Jeffrey has suffered a stress reaction in the foot and uh, now not likely to return until very late in the season, probably six weeks at a minimum. For him and Tuke Miller, um, well, uh, they proved they can win without him, but uh, obviously you'd prefer to have him, and he's still about three weeks away, so uh, that would make a difference. But yeah, I'm with you, Rocket. Uh, Gold Coast need the win. Um, it's a good home advantage for them, and no Sicily pretty much means no Hawthorne. I'm going to go for Gold Coast by, uh, let's say, 16 points. What do you say? I'm going 29 points. 29 points. And that wraps up around 15. Uh, just quickly having a look down these tips, we differ on one, and that is the first game of the round where you have gone for the Demons. I've gone for the Cats, and I've clawed a few back on you. Now, we picked another one. You picked the Dockers. I picked Essen. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Did two. Two different. I have clawed a couple back on you. That's good. This shows that you're taking notice of a tip. So I have worked with other <laughs> co-hosts on uh, footyology who just get fall behind early in the piece and just give it away. Good to see you're fighting hard to preserve your, your narrowing weight. <laughs> uh, so we'll keep an eye on those two. So you've gone for Essendon. I've gone for Frio. You've gone for Melbourne. I've gone for Geelong. Thanks for listening again, everyone. Uh, of course, um, Get on board with Footyology. Some great uh, reading, footy reading on Footyology. Get on board with ESPN too. Some great reading from all the other guys at ESPN who do a wonderful job. Good luck to your team uh, this week. Good luck uh, if they're on the buy too, that uh, no players come to grief and that they can kick, get a kick coming back because as we discussed, that has been a bit of an issue. Enjoy your weekend and uh, we'll catch you later.